This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I host Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over a pretty good week for the club. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay, say hello, feel free to comment and reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on as well. Uh, Paul, how have you been? Not too bad, Wayne. Not too bad. I can always say I'll be better the way I feel today. It's been a long weekend, but I'm okay. Been a long weekend for those United fans who travelled all the way down to the and back. Yeah, at least they got some good weather for it and a good result. Uh, before we talk about that, a couple of little things to talk about today. Today's a fairly big day as far as my experience of supporting Manchester United um, goes. Um, ten years ago today, Brian Green, who was a legendary player in the 70s, passed away. He um, played nearly 300 times for the club in the 70s. He was the man of the match in the 1977 final. Um, he was um, a fantastic man. I worked with him on the first book that I did, his, his autobiography. And um, yeah, he's just a great, great person and really. Everything that I've done in my career, I owe to, to Brian taking a chance on this. So, sadly missed, but um, never, never forgotten. Um, also, another little momentous day, it's the 77th birthday, or it would have been the 77th birthday of George Best, who of course passed in 2005. In my mind, the greatest footballer in Manchester United history, um, scored the incredible goal in the 1968 European Cup final. And um, well, when you were settling in in the United, you had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with George. Um, can you tell me your, I know you've told me about it before, but I'll let tell your memories of seeing George in your early days at United. Well, I, I one of them, I, I remember when I was a kid at Fulham, he was he was there, he played at Fulham, um, and he actually dropped, he dropped me home. Because then he, and it, it, he was then with Angie. He lived in a place called South Ends, which virtually bypassed where I was living at the time, my parents' home in Raynham. But my time at Manchester United, the first time I met him after so many years, I was staying in the Midland Hotel. And he, in, 
he was downstairs with a, a few people and I think the hotel was then run by a an Irishman called Sean and he was had a ta- he had a table and, and sitting down and and I've kind of come down, I don't know why I've come from my room, I've come down, I've seen them all sit in the lobby, I get called across and after a while George they're sitting around and they're drinking a brandy called Louis the Fourteenth. And that given time, that bottle would have cost about fifteen hundred pounds. So we're talking ninety one, so that fifteen hundred pound that bottle would have cost. So and already they'd finished the bottle and I'm trying to think George was then with a with a woman who was like a Miss World, was a Miss World, I should say. And what he was doing with people around, when they finished the bottle, George was saying, have the bottle and giving it to the women so they can put shampoo in it because it was a nice, look, nice looking bottle. It's a kind of a, a bolt like that, a bit of a shape like that. And you could see all the crystal, the glass, and it beautiful. And then what he'd done is, after, then he got another bottle and he poured me a glass of brandy. So me being a little bit naive, even though I was 20, what, 27, I would have been, and I was still quite naive on that side of it, a brandy. And all of a sudden, I've turned away, and I'm just, and I'm just trying to get hold of. Um, I'm trying to think what her name was, what woman, what her name was. But she worked there, waitress, trying to get hold of her. And Jules said, and Jules looked at me, and just goes, what are, you, "What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to catch her attention for?" I said, "I was trying to get some, trying to get some coke for me brandy. He couldn't snatch it away from me quick enough. He just took it away from me, and I knew then I'd kind of got it a little bit wrong. And how you meant to be drinking back." Drinking brandy in a bowl glass. Yeah, especially fifteen hundred pound, mixing it with some uh, <laughs> some regular so, coke. Yeah, yeah, some fat coke. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, um, like you said, uh, George just helping you to settle there in, in the club, and um, yeah, Tony Gale has told me stories of you know how, how nice he was at points and you know, coming through and everything like that. Um, yeah, uh, just a magnificent footballer and. Or some of the most outrageous goals in the club's history. Uh, Danny says, "Good morning, Paul, the legend." And R.I.P. Brian. Can't believe it's been ten years. I know it's absolutely crazy. Uh, another George Best connection. He, he once played for Bournemouth and United for Bournemouth at the weekend. Um, United are in the results part of the season. Paul, I thought we played quite well that day. Not a great number of chances, but still. You've got a caveat of looking at this team and saying you can see where we need the improvements. I felt we were slick sometimes. We had Casemiro and Ericsson in exceptional form. No coincidence that those two combined for the goal. Then really that was it. Um, what did you make of, of the game? I think what you said there is about right, Rui. I think you have to look at it as a massive plus considering how the previous away games have been for United, you know, and going to Bournemouth and Bournemouth are, when you use the words hot and cold, that sort of spot, that is Bournemouth. They've got some great results, some great performances, but every single time they have a good performance and a result, their next game, they, they seem to fail. I mean, I watched them at White Hart Lane where they were excellent against Tottenham. The following week, they're playing at home to West Ham a lot of West Ham fans would have been going down there quite negative to way things are. West Ham go and score four goals. So they are hot and cold. 
I mean, as well as they've done to get out of the situation they're in quite early, which surprised a lot of people, next season is going to be a difficult one for them, I personally believe. And he'll be under even more pressure, the manager, because I, I think, you know, he's got away with it, but I just don't, I don't think he'll have it that ease next season. But it was a bonus because I looked at the games coming up and thinking the worst scenario after what happened this season with Liverpool, the last thing myself, I didn't want, and I think every United fan didn't want, was Liverpool surpassing them for a Champions League spot. It would have been horrendous if that was going to happen. But they stood firm, they've got over the line in the games, game at home, and their bonus is going away from home, playing reasonably well. And now with that Chelsea game coming up on Thursday, it makes that a little bit lighter. There's not that as well it was before, even though they should be winning every single. They should be winning every single game left now, without a doubt. Um, so it's going to should make the Champions League position with ease, rather than by the skin of their teeth, really. Because given how things have been, I would say that they didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve to do it by the skin of their teeth. They didn't deserve to have been pushed out if it had gone that way. Of all the good work that has happened in between, it was only a few glitches in the last few weeks and issues that have put them in this position poor professionalism really because it put United in that position prior to the last three games yeah and Ben said I'm glad we held on for the win but it was yet another game that felt like we were letting it drift away I just want to come to you on, on this point Paul about um, Sancho and Martial really because Sancho I, I don't really want to talk about him so much but the Martial thing so when you watch those two playing on Saturday it was kind of like they were playing their own little game trying to do this interchanging movements and linking up with each other, and then it was really coming to nothing. And I, I, a lot of people are sort of reluctant at the moment because our natural signing contracts, and it's like, oh, we're going to give him a run. And I, I'm kind of in that boat, but he's coming on and he's making a difference. And I still think that there's more value. I said more value. There's value in giving Sancho a run just to see, just to see, give him that chance. And he's been given that chance. Martial, on the other hand, has been given probably way too many chances and he's in the side because Rashford's not fit and Vegas doesn't score. So he's been given this last run of games. Very poor again on Saturday. I know a few people thought his interchange and his movement was all right. Then when he comes off, he's completely shoulders slunk. Storm, not storming, that's too strong a term for it, but going down the tunnel, not really sort of bothered to sort of participate in not celebration or watching the end of the game or anything, but kind of like removed from the old scenario. And it doesn't really grab you as someone who's looked at this as a last chance and thought, I need to really take it. He's kind of just looked at it and going, I'm just going to slink out of Old Trafford the way that people expect. It's been a little bit disappointing, hasn't it? I think you've been quite kind there when you're saying it's been a little bit disappointing. I, I think it's been, it's been awful. It's been embarrassing the way he's conducted himself. You just, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that old saying now, you know, go and have a good look in the mirror and then really what you're seeing there, you should be seeing something that you want you want to correct. And I don't think he's grasped that at all. He, you know, the, the time he had severe was embarrassing for him. Um, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be able to walk around and, you know, and people communicate him because he hasn't tried it. Anyone who tries and they, they fail, they can't get it, they give everything, then you've always got to really, you 
I think you've got to go with them. You've got to believe in them that they, they're trying. They can't, you know, they can't give any more than what they're trying to do. If they're making honest mistakes and things ain't going right, like Beggall in certain ways, the ways everyone, there's still people out there critical of him, but they, no one really understands and doesn't get the reason why Ten Hag went and got him. If it was about bringing someone in to score goals, Beghorst wouldn't be there. He's there for a reason, what he leaves. And you look at him and you say, those lads would give everything for him. Say, no, he gives everything back. But he does not do it, Martial. He's got, when you see him sometimes, he's got a face that should be in Las Vegas on the tables because you don't know what he's, you do not know what he's got behind him. He doesn't need to wear sunglasses because his face just says, you know, I'm going to be morbid. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to be miserable. And to, to react in the way he did, he did feel lucky he started so many games this season. It's amazing and how he believes in, him, in himself that way when he hasn't delivered. Sancho, I think, like you, like you said in your comments about him, you feel like you don't want to say anything bad or anything you know, about him. But I think you have to. You can't just keep soft-soaping and hoping, you know, because yeah, it's diff- different um, personnel now. Players are completely different where you can't, you can't rollock them anymore, the majority of them, because you, because of the reaction, and they may go crying to their agent, and then goes to the owners and whatever. But I think some players need it. I think you've got to find them out, and if they can't deal with or accepting what they're delivering, and you're just going to keep patting them in the back all the time, hoping it works. So you've got to stop patting them back, and you've got to leave them out. And if you've got got young players who are coming through, especially one of them, you sign the contract. You actually make it even better for the lad who signed his contract isn't high by virtually saying you're going to play the next three games of this season and see what happens from there. And if if you do really well, there's a good chance that you're going to start in an FA Cup final because if Sancho was to start in that final, it doesn't make any sense because he hasn't earned the right to be there to play in the final because you, I think it's not a case of not knowing what you're going to get. I think you know what you're going to get. His game... Virtually, you know, you do know what he's going to do next. There is no improvisation. There's nothing there. What you expect for God knows how long, months and months of talking about him, and then he turns up for 70-odd million. There's nowhere near returning investment and that you're going to get back off of him because he has not done anything to deliver. So there's two players there who he feels he's having to play because of maybe their ages, experience, whatever you want to call it. But they're not delivering. You might as well have two young lads on there, and you know the two lads I'm talking about. Put put them in, put them on that field in wide areas, and try and trying to get some energy, some You know, when a young lad doesn't do well, you pat them back and say, "Go and try again," and you get them to understand that unless you're making the wrong decisions, no one's going to be critical of you. You know, that's, that's all that matters. And and Ryan was like that. Giggsy was like that. It was all about. Making and that and the boss didn't cut the boss encouraged him to take people on. If his decision was to try and beat two or three too often, then that was you know foolhardy of him. But that's how, that's how you treat these players. You don't make them scared to want to make mistakes. As long as they're making the right decision and what they didn't want to do, and they show the right conviction, there's not a problem. Sancho is very tentative. He, I don't think he's got a change of pace. Everything is really quite tight. One twos. And that's how he was at Dortmund. It was all interchanges. He he bypassed people, not always with the ball. A lot of it was playing one-twos and little passes around, little flicks. United at this moment in time, 
don't play like that. If he was to maybe go back to Manchester City and join in a training session there, he would fit. It would fit. It would fit like a glove for him because that's the way they play. They get a lot of players around the ball and they play little passes to drag people out and then get in behind them. United don't play that way. So yeah. it seems just it seems odd, really, that he was signed. In, in the perspective of the, um, there's the last few games of the season and getting this run again, basically, to um, see what he can do. That's where I've, I've been sort of cutting him a little bit of slack because I think, you know, well, Tenor got to see him. He's fit. He's back in the side. He had that side, that spell that he was out. So we've got to see what he can do. But you're quite right in that. I'm not going to say that United have been carrying a passenger. I don't mean it like that. But what I mean is, at some point in the the sort of pecking order, you've got to say, actually, no, we can't afford to do this anymore because, like you said, we've got a cup final to, to pick. And it's going to be a very sort of um, interesting way that Tenog deals with his next two league games because there's a little bit of leeway thanks to the win that United only need a point to cha- uh, qualify for the Champions League. But what does it do in terms of setting things up for the cup final team because obviously it looks like Rashford's been wrapped in cotton fair enough. Garnacho it's the the only bad thing about starting him is that you can't bring him off the bench. Do you know in United kinda of need that um second um plan basically from attack and that's what he brings at the moment. He brings something different from the bench. If you don't have that then you are looking at Palestri and Palestri's had no time whatsoever. And you know Anthony He's never absent. He's always present, but his form's not been um, brilliant in the last sort of three, four games. I know he had, he had one good game. I can't remember who it was against, but he, he had a really good game. And but the rest of them have been pretty poor. Um, the the also Paul we can talk about. Um, well, we're just wrapping up on on Bournemouth. David de Gea. A lot of criticism for him in recent weeks uh, for the uh, mistake at West Ham and people. I, I mean. I hate seeing it, but it's part of modern football supporting these days is that people make compilations, these people supporting, or they said that the United fans and they create a video that's of all the Hayes errors and they say, oh, well, if the Hayes starts, we're not going to be in the Champions League and all that sort of stuff. And it's not representative of the match day support because they'll go and get behind him. Nobody wants to put a goalkeeper under extra pressure on the match day because the, the it's well established the goalkeeper of Manchester United is probably the most high-pressure, high-profile position in world football in, in terms of the criticism. It's been like that for 40 years, you know, probably even longer than that, the, the amount of pressure that the position's under. But the head was good on Saturday, made two or three really good saves, and because of that, United are on the verge of qualifying for the Champions League. He's won the Golden Glove for this season because no-one's going to overtake him in terms of clean sheets. United are still at a catch-22 situation with him, Paul, in that, you know, they were offered this new contract and in an ideal world, if they've got, like, let's say, a takeover and that they can afford to really splash the cash, then that's an area that they'll be looking at sort of improving. But it, it does look like it's this kind of pivotal moment where they don't want to invest, or the club you would have thought wouldn't want to invest too heavily in giving him a massive contract at this point in time. And I think that's probably where the delay has been, that, there's probably a, a vastly reduced stuff on the table for him. Um, if it is to be his last few games at the club, I'd rather see him go out 
playing like he did on Saturday, you know, like that we can celebrate what he's because he's obviously given um, over a decade great service to the club and some great performances. I'd rather get behind him and celebrate the things that he's done rather than say, oh, well, he was in decline towards the end. Every player comes to the end and they show some kind of decline. That's why it ends. Um, what, what do you make of, first of all, the way that he played on Saturday and second of all, the sort of um, impasse with the contract at the moment? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of David De Gea. I have been, I mean, at that point when after Sir Alex retired and he single-handedly got Manchester United into Europe and what he'd done, everything he's done has been incredible, but it's been, when you look at it over the time he's been there, you know, it's not, it's not been that many mistakes, but it's suddenly gone to the fact of everyone, and I've said this a thousand times, literally, everyone's talking about him passing out the back. And if it was a, a big fundamental thing for Manchester United that way, and it was going to go and win them league titles, then I mostly turn around and say, yeah, well, maybe. But I look at it, and United are not one of those sides who religiously try and do it in that in the manner which you see a Man City. It's a lot of that you see, or a Brighton. They just haven't really got the players who could do it on a regular basis who play with that that kind of confidence when you see they because when you play it in the way you're meant to play it, the decision the decision that City do it, you're playing for those fine margins to make those extra five yards and create that bigger space. United are, are doing it and a lot of teams are doing it because they're scared to kick it long in case anyone calls them a long long ball team and, it, and that's the way it works. But David Hayer against Bournemouth, what was that? Four? Four saves? Yeah. Maybe, you know, where, where he's one-on-one and the way he stands up and everything he does. And if you judge him, and you sh- everyone should be judging him on what his strengths are. He's a goalkeeper. He's an absolute... People with vague horse, how many people talk about what his major strength is for Manchester United is keeping the ball, working hard, slowing down teams that try and progress on the back to go forward. No one talks about it. Everyone... It's about he's not scoring goals, but that's not his. That's not what, as I said before, it's not what he's bought for. David De Gea is the best shot stopper in the Premier League, without a shadow of a doubt. It's no better goalkeeper. If you want a goalkeeper who plays football, then you could. Then there's then there's a load of them. They're like maybe old centre halves or midfield players who've gone gone in goal. Is David De Gea a better goalkeeper than Edison and Allison? Without a shadow of a doubt, is he a better goalkeeper? Can he pass the ball out over 80 yards and pull it on people's big toes on a regular basis? No, he can't. And he knows that. The team know it. His teammates should know his strength and use his strength. And don't put him in those positions, but too many players put him under pressure. Big Pete, when Big Pete done it, and Big Pete was incredible. He was a fantastic footballer, Big Pete. When we still our boxes, our keep, our, you know, keep ball sessions, Pete was brilliant. But when you knocked a ball back to him, it was a bit under pressure. Peter would kick it in Rose Ed and he would rollock you for putting him in that position. And if I'm David De Gea, I would call out the people, you know, the, the ones who are passing the buck when they give you the ball and you kick it out and then also they want to turn around and look at you done something wrong. He should, he should cane them because that's not his strength. His strength is keeping Manchester United in games. And that's what he'd done at the weekend. They could have beaten, they could have been beaten 2-3-1 okay. off the back of him, you know, quite easily. And going to Bournemouth, everyone would have gone, oh, yeah, because they've been poor away. And Bournemouth is this. And they made, but 
No, I mean, I can't, I can't and won't have a go with him. Everyone says, got to play great football. I'll tell you what, wait, United, he has, he has, you know, life says he's going to move on. The next goalkeeper comes in, it'd be interesting. Are you actually going to get someone who's a great shot stopper, but he can, he can pass the ball out like Addison and Edison? They're the first two that come to my mind, but there's most, there might be better ones, but we don't hear about them because it is generally top goalkeepers they talk about. Really, the ones yeah. who play for the big clubs. Yeah, they're talking about the Brighton keeper when we played against them recently and say it's deal. Mm. I think it was. He was playing well. They're coming from top stuff here. If the coach wants to play that way, play from the back, then it could be an issue. Um, go on, Paul. Yeah, well, yeah there, there is an issue. Then you, you may have to look on, but I think the biggest issue is that you can dominate games playing from the back and play up, like be a Brighton of two years ago, say, and play unbelievable football. And then walk, everyone walks up, oh, didn't you play well? But your goalkeeper had two shots and he doesn't make a save. David De Gea, you call him out after standing still for half an hour, he makes a great save to keep you in the game. That's, that's, that's how you judge great goalkeepers when they have those big breaks. That's what makes top international goalkeepers. That's why us England, we haven't had a great goalkeeper since Dave Seaman. You know, and we've had some great goalkeepers over the years. David De Gea is one of those goalkeepers that all of a sudden nothing's happening that way in the big games, the European games, and all of a sudden he's called upon and he makes that save and you go, bang, that's what you're paying your big bucks for. Not someone, if he, at one point when the United were going through their seriously poor time, David De Gea was getting United out of jail how many times a game? How many times? And that tells you how poor United are. The club of the stature should not have their goalkeeper winning player of the year three years on the bounce. Like Ben says, um, goalkeeper is also in that unfortunate position where every mistake is pretty much conceded goal. I would say to this point as well, a lot of people seem to forget it, that when we've had um, Casemiro in there and when we've had Varane and Martinez, there hasn't been those mistakes because they don't put him under pressure. They all play as a unit. Under, like we've said so many times on this podcast throughout the season, they understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and playing to the strengths and weaknesses rather than playing to protect themselves and putting teammates under extra pressure that is unnecessary. Um, so that's that. Win against Bournemouth because of Liverpool's draw with Villa, United are one point away from qualifying for the Champions League, which you know isn't isn't certain. But United have got two home games. You would have thought that they can get the point from there somewhere. Um, you would hope that they'll win both of the games that they've got. Um, really, Chelsea first up, Paul. Um, I don't really know what to make of them since Frank Lampard has taken charge of me. Everyone's talking about City and the, the, the money and the, the, you know, Chelsea standards, the opposite argument, don't they, really? So it's, and it's quite frustrating because you say, throw enough money at it, eventually it will stick and, you know, they're bound to be successful like Chelsea did the first time. But this time around, no organisation in the club. They've thrown so much money. They've made managerial changes. Frank Lampard's come in. They've won one game, I think, since he, he took charge and, it's one win in five. They were poor yesterday. I know they had some shots, but they were playing. They fielded a strong side against City's reserves. They still looked off it. Um, yes, obviously, you can expect that when we get them all trapped, they're going to be more up for it. Um, what are you expecting to see on, on Thursday night? Well, I'm expecting United to win. You think Chelsea will have a go because they're coming to Old Trafford. 
But I would expect United to win. Chelsea have been poor. You know, they're showing everybody that when you have a lot of money, you know, how not to spend it, to be perfectly honest. They've had a load and load of money and seems like they've, they've all set... They've all set to shop at Selfridges, but ended up at Primark. The way they've gone, the way things have worked out, it's been it's been awful. It's been embarrassing. You know, at the moment in time, I don't know what's his name, Tom Tom Broly or whatever his name is. It's more, Broly, yeah. It's yeah, it's more like a tombola, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Things tumbling all over the place. It's criminal. What has happened to a club, Chelsea? The way the way they've gone, and there's a lot of work for it. Well, for they're saying Pochettino, I don't know if he's 100%, but, you know, and he's willing to take that on. But unless he's he's gone in there saying, I'm going to do it my way, he, he surely will not be allowing the owner to come into the dressing room after every game. You know, the, the, only, t- the only time we ever saw, say, Martin, Martin Edwards and everyone else was when we made a final or after a final, but then it was already organised by the boss because there's no way anyone was ever going to walk in his dressing room when it suited them, regardless of who you are. Otherwise, you know, you, you're stuck there because you might you wouldn't have a manager because it's not the way it's going to work. So Pochettino has to nail that down straight away. You know, it isn't a dressing room in an NFL game or something. You come as the owner shouting and screaming. So they've got, they are, they are in a mess. Frank, Frank Lampard hasn't really helped himself by going back as much as anything. People come out, oh, but he knows the club. Jose Mourinho never knew Chelsea when he went there. <laughs> you know, Ancelotti didn't know Chelsea, but they went and done a good job. So taking Frank on was, wasn't was the right idea. So I'd expect United to win and everything 100% then. They're in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, interesting comment here from Patrick. Says good morning, good morning, Patrick. I'll be doing well, mate. He says I had a fierce debate with a friend recently. Fifth and two trophies, or fourth place and one trophy, which would leave you most satisfied coming into the season. If you're watching, get comments in on that, Patrick. Tell me what your response was. I'm going to tell you this, Paul. My opinion on this is probably um, changed the last few weeks, and I'll tell you why. I think at this moment in time. I hate to say it. People will look at the future of the club and the Champions League and everything like that. I don't know I, because I'm bricking it so much for the cup final that I'm, I'd almost rather take fifth and two trophies because that would mean that we're going to be sitting in the cup final rather than fourth place and a trophy. Um, and you might come at this and say, You've got to look out for United's own interests and, you know, fourth place gets them in the Champions League. Um, what do you make of what Patrick puts to us? I don't know. Would Patrick mind if I said, if I turned around and said fourth and two trophies? Fair enough. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Fourth yeah. and the He went for a fourth and the trophy. Yes, um, I get that. I do get that. But I'm a little bit of with you on this one, Wayne, because of I just I don't like the idea of it. I mean, I'm just sitting here listening at the moment with the media all, all banging the drum. They they can't, you know, this is the you know the greatest team in the world, and you know I ne- never heard anyone say that about United in '99. There was never never the greatest in the world. It never went beyond that, and you wouldn't expect to hear it. But we're in that we're in that thing now where everyone wants to blow smoke everywhere when you go and do something and make it the biggest thing in the world 
and I just I I want I just want United just to to win the FA Cup. To be perfectly honest, I'm going to be there, and the last thing I want to be there and work in there is having to having to be humble to Man to Manchester City. I just I just don't don't want to do it. I really don't. But if you if we're going on past experience of what we've seen recently, then for them it's going to be an incredible performance by United, or they're going to be the luckiest team in the world to make to beat them in the final. Um, yeah, Patrick from um, the LA says he's gone for fourth on a trophy. Um, fourth has become a prize the way that football is today. I to hold my nose. Um, and Johnny says uh, Patrick fourth on one trophy in the Champions League. Qualification is much better. Um, better calibre of players signed potentially and revenue. Patrick says my ideal is third and two trophies. But you didn't give us that option, Patrick, uh, for this season at least. Um, yeah, I mean. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, the club's future with the Champions League and everything like that. But then there's also the, the heritage of the past. And you know, I was grumpy when they won the domestic treble because that was the thing that we were one game away from winning in '94. And um, when he just took that, and, and to be fair, look, they won the domestic treble and it treble, and it means nothing compared to what it would have meant in '94. Like the way that they win the league, like you've seen the reaction to it. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, negative press reaction you look at the way that um they took real madrid apart that should have been for a british team beating real madrid 4-0 and um getting to the champions league final and, and it being the end of this great real madrid side and everything it should have been a, a cause for massive celebration and it wasn't and we all know the reason why or should i say the 115 reasons why um and that's what guardiola's so unhappy about because he's not going to get the respect that he wants not going to get the legacy that he thinks he deserves because of the fact that these things are hanging over them. Whether or not they manage to drag it out all the way to make it as much a farce as, as the UEFA charges and everything like that, then we'll see. But you know, um, we all we all know what we see. We can all see what it is. And yeah, regardless of that, I still want us to be sort of defenders of that legacy. And you know, the treble is historic for that reason. I mean, it took. 100 years of British football to be, well, I say 100, um, 40 years of the European Cup being in there for, for that to be able to be accomplished and for it to be something that's on the table nearly every year, the way that they talk about it, it's not as difficult anymore. Yeah, all right, speaks also to the method of Champions League qualification, like, you know, Paul's team had to win it to be in it. Um, it's not the same these days, um, you know. Anyway, grumpy old man. Run anyway. It talks about Chelsea. We expect to get a win over that. Knowing United, they'll probably just stumble to a point and get, get the Champions League qualification that way. But uh, it is a little bit like Paul Paul. Clubs are coming to Old Trafford. Um, Fulham on the last day, they're guaranteed to finish in tenth, no matter what happens. And Paul, what a season it's been for Fulham! Really, they've been magnificent. They have been. They've had a, had a great start. They had. An issue a little bit in, in in the middle of the season, just in, sorry, just after the just after the World Cup, they had a little bit of an issue. Then they go and lose Mitrovic, and already you've seen a difference since he's come back. He's made it gives them more belief. So they've had a great season, but really at one point there was like Brighton, they was pushing for a European spot. Yeah. You know, they weren't. It wasn't that far away, but a fine margin. <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think everyone in football is so pleased for Brighton to have made Europe as well. 
just in the manner they play and the way they go about it. One of the few teams they play all sit and play football with a smile on their face. But um, Fulham at the end of the season—that's a tough one. Is you know that's a again that's a that's a big game from isn't it going to Old Trafford last game on a Sunday, and that, of course they're going to want to win it. They're going to want to finish the season off really really well. So, but the main thing from if they just to get the three points against Chelsea, guarantee Champions League football, and then the final game is a case of waiting and seeing if they finish in third. That's the main thing, and it'd be great if they could finish in third, to be perfectly honest. Because I'm quite sure if Newcastle finish in third, they'll have another party in the dressing room. Where's all Where's all that rubbish come from? You win a game of football, there's always another game, it's called egg on your face. And what well, I don't know, like Brighton done it after the win down there, and their next game, it went all peaked on for them. But I don't know where, it and it was Newcastle who started that, pitches in the dressing room after after one win. You know, not a cup final, nothing like that. A league game. You win a league game and you want a party. Strange. Um, Fulham, though, they played all right at Old Trafford. They were doing quite well until the sendings off. And uh, do you expect, that because of the way that all that game ended in controversy, that there might be a little bit of bad taste, that United need to maybe think about wrapping a few players. I guess it'll be dictated by the Chelsea result, but, you know, like, we need to make sure the relations are quite friendly. You wouldn't have expected United v. Fulham's going to be a traditionally hardcore fight, but um, you never know, do you, these days? No, that's exactly right. After spending, since from the age of 11, from being at Fulham to leaving when I was 23, Fulham have always been known FFC, you meant Friendly Football Club. There was no, there was nothing nasty about Fulham, you know, nothing at all, and definitely not from the fans anyway. Yes, they're going to be up for it because it's Old Trafford and Manchester United, but I don't think there'll be much aggression about that. I don't. They're not they, they're not that natured. But is it um, Palinio is the, is their main enforcer? But even he's not he's not he's not a mad one or anything like that. He's just very strong in everything he does and. It'll be it'll be it'll be a nice last game last game of the season football match to be perfectly honest. Fulham do try and play good football. It's what the way they've always been and what they've always done. Even in the championship, there was a different level to a load of teams in the championship. The way they wanted to play and play brave in a in a league which is so physical and everyone is so fit. They were still trying to play from the bylines all the way through rather than just go straight from straight to Route 1, Mitrovic. They didn't do that way. They did it properly. So they're not going to change their way now. Um, one little question before we, we head off, Paul, um, from Patrick. He asks about, are there any players from any of the relegated teams that would improve us? Uh, Luke Aaron from Leeds, James Madison perhaps, although Leicester are not just mathematically down at the moment. And there's the midfielder for Southampton, those getting a few rave reviews. Is there anyone from those teams you think were heading down here? There's Harvey Barnes and maybe the sort of the moments passed him by, but James Madison's definitely a good shout. Is there anyone Tielemans as well? He's gonna be on a free transfer this summer. Um, you know, is there anyone from those sides you think that could come in and make a difference at United? Well definitely not definitely not Tielemans, to be honest really. I mean if he's if that's what he was trying to play his way out out of that, then I would say no, because he didn't look, didn't see anything to me at all. No, no great energy levels. Madison might be, but you don't know what's in Madison's head. He seems quite content to keep coming off in games and misses a lot of games. Is it because he's there at Leicester, 
or is it just that's his nature anyway? I'm not really sure. He's a he's, a, he's kind of like a Leicester's version of Jack Grealish, really. You just yeah. don't, you know, Jack Grealish. I mean, the Jack Grealish of this season is it's, it's really is the best he's ever been for City. As such. well, he's getting a lot more football in that sense. But no, not not really Madison. I don't think that's. You know, there's, there's other players, and I've just seen here looking the lad who's the ex City boy. Is it Lavina? You pronounce that Lavina? Lavia, yeah. Lavia, yeah, yeah. He's a good player. He's a very yeah. good player, but but he's missed a lot of football. But I don't know why. Was it because he had a an injury problem? But in the, in the back end of the season, when everything was against Southampton, he stuck out. And for me, that says a lot. Really says a lot. Um, James. Um, Prowse Ward, is Prowse Ward? James Ward Prowse, yeah, has been mentioned a few bits. He's been mentioned by a lot of clubs. West Ham are talking about him because of maybe the Declan Rice situation. I wonder whether or not he's another Matt Letizier and loves where he's living. Yeah. He might want to be there to come, to come straight back with his, you know, with his team. So not really, no one's sticking out, to be honest, down there. At this moment, I've seen some, even some of the names have come up. There isn't a great deal, is there, that people mention? They're quite quite obvious in what people are mentioning. So, yeah, nothing United, really. Des- desperately, really, United need players to come in and improve. Don't they? That's what they need at this point in time. Um, yeah. Without wanting to put you too much on the spot, Paul, um, to close off, um, I don't think it's too big of a pose. But, um, you never know with the United. This time next week, do you think we'll be talking about United in the Champions League spots? Do you think that they're going to get that point that they need to get there? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Get that. Long as long as he keeps the back line as it is at the moment, because just off, just you know, mentioned it. I thought Lindelof was excellent. Yeah, I agree. He, he was ex. He was excellent. And at the moment in time, while he he's got to keep this back four. He ain't got doesn't need any injuries at the moment. He needs to. He needs to that cup final. If, he, if it is as it is, then you've got the two centre halves, and you've got Luke back to left back. Obviously, Baran and Victor, and and Wan Bissaka. You know, Wan Bissaka up against Jack Grealish. <clears throat> Jack Grealish won't try and take him on. Everything's going to be in front of him. It's going to be sideways and backwards. So, um, but if he if he was to change it and bring back Dallow and Jack Grealish, would run it all the time and just <clears throat> and virtually put. Dallow under so much pressure because you'll have him on the yellow card so early. Yeah. Um, Starting to pick itself that cup final side, um, for sure. It's going to be interesting. I think the the big question is in the wide position. But like we've said, it really doesn't like... um, It's going to need a massive upturn in form from Sancho to to play his way into that. Uh, You never know. Vegas might start getting the goals, might get out tricks in the next couple of games and and play himself into the final side. You never know. You never know. Yeah, but you do know why the one thing is that needed. You just need everyone to go out there and they have to be virtually hitting almost a peak with hard work involved as well because it's going to need a lot of work, a lot of high high energy because not going to have a lot of the ball. And when you do get the ball, got to be got to be clever with it. Can't be wasteful. Yeah, um, people won't like me for saying it, but um, you almost kind of want Oli to be in there, sort of giving some kind of game plan. He was so successful at doing that in the big games. Um, but you know, Tenor did get a win against them last time, and you know, the pitch is a bit different, but you know, 
So mm. we're, we're going towards that anyway. Um, hopefully, by the time that we're talking next week, we will be talking about United in the Champions League spaces. Hopefully, even third as well. That'd be a nice end. Um, we'll be back to talk about it either way. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments after, uh, on the replays because we still reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, be sure to give us a subscription and review the platform you're listening on. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. This week. Stay safe, stay well, have a great week, and we will be back next Monday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.